Hello and welcome to the 100 day writing challenge day 45. So we've been sort of tinkering around with who has power in a scene and I think this still sneakily fits under the theme umbrella of all the things we cannot say. Which isn't our theme but certainly could be if I were to give sections titles which I don't. Yesterday we were monkeying around with big status imbalances between two characters. A master-servant relationship, basically. This often comes off as either comedy or melodrama. Most of our experiences in life involve status relationships uh, that are much less clearly delineated. Obviously, if you work in a school or you're a pupil, then there's a hierarchy there, a clear line between pupils and staff. And as a parent, you know, you, there's usually a, a clear status differential, although I'd argue that this has diminished generationally. You know, my daughter says oi to me an alarming amount and I often find myself being ridden around on like a horse or told to go stand over there or ordered to make a certain type of breakfast or told flatly no, which doesn't make me feel like I'm the high status one, certainly. And I'm very comfortable with that. The thing about being a dad or indeed being a three-year-old is you do a lot of role play, a lot of experimenting with different statuses. Sometimes you're the rampaging monster. Sometimes you're the naughty child being scolded and told to stand in the corner. That's the thing about being close to someone, you know, to having a relationship with someone where you really love and trust them. You get to play a lot of games around raising and lowering each other's status. You can be all like, all right, dickhead, or... Darling, how radiant you look this afternoon. When it's someone you don't know quite as well, or when you're dropping into rapport with someone you haven't seen for a while, you often do this mutual back and forth of what I'm going to dub shift matching, where you perform these kind of little tit-for-tat raising and lowerings of your own status or your friend's status, depending on the last thing you did. You sort of like bring your two statuses into into alignment. They sort of wriggle around each other and it's a show of kind of like mutual rapport and mutuality, basically. It's like, I'm willing to match you so we both feel comfortable. So the person you meet might go, oh God, I've been an absolute lazy toe rag this past week. You might match their lowering of status by going, oh, me too. Just sat around eating ice cream in bed and streaming box sets. If they raise your status... Uh, by going, oh, I love your jumper, you might respond, thank you. You're looking very well yourself. Nice shoes. These statements always have a mutuality to them. They're mirrors rather than replications. Like it would be very odd in these kind of like cross-lateral ones where someone is raising someone else's status. It'd be very odd to counter by either repeating the sentiment or giving back the opposite, right? Ugh, I've been an absolute lazy toe rag this week. Yes, you have. Shame on you. Or, uh, I've been an absolute lazy toe rag this past week. Really? I've been a productivity beast. I'm crushing it. One repeats the action of lowering the first speaker's, speaker's status, like in that, which has the effect of raising the second speaker's status. And the other version has the second speaker raise their own status instead of lowering it as the first speaker did. Look, in both cases, the status gap widens rather than shrinks. And that can be quite uncomfortable. Remember at the end of yesterday, I said most status gaps between people are quite small. If there's too much of a sense of the hierarchy shifting, then in most scenarios, not all, but in most, we get uneasy. And we may take steps to lower our own status, to raise everyone else's, or 
if we're not careful, if we don't do that, other people in the room will take subtle action to either bring us down a peg or start lifting up the pe- the other people to kind of like mex- close that gap. Now, of course, with all those examples I just gave, with very close friends, you can toss most of these rules aside. In fact, it's kind of a affirmation of the relationship that you can toss them aside. You know, a good friend can absolutely say something insulting to you with the proviso that they're joking. They can refuse to participate when you lower your own status, you know, as a way of saying, hey, come on, you don't have to do this around me. And do the opposite to highlight the game that you're unconsciously playing. Also, they can lift you up with lots of praise without making things uncomfortable or creating this kind of status debt where now you're expected to reciprocate. They can go, you're awesome. You're brilliant. Wow, I love that. It doesn't make you feel uncomfortable in the way it would if just like a rando was saying that to you. The freedom to play with status games is a great way to show your readers without explicitly saying so that two characters are best friends or have known each other for a very long time. You know, they can adopt lots of different rungs on the social ladder within a single conversation, within a single interaction with each other, almost parodying the idea of hierarchy itself in the same way I can look back to my daughter in her car seat before we set off somewhere and say, where to boss? And she can point a finger forward and frown very seriously and yell, to the shops, right now. Then maybe later on I'm chasing her around, pretending to be a giant and going, right you, or I'll get you and tickle you. Right, so for today's episode, uh, we're going to write a scene with two characters who've known each other a very long time, who are very comfortable in each other's company. I'd like to see them paused somewhere, you know, in the middle of a journey. I don't know where they're going or where they've stopped. I don't know in what world this takes place or what time. Just that we're seeing there two of them in a rare moment of downtime on their adventure. And I'd say, you know, use the term adventure as literally or as loosely as you want. We're just encountering them in a little hiatus. And without your saying... These two had known each other for years. Without giving them dialogue where one says, wow, do you remember that time back in Reno? Without dropping into a third-person limited or first-person narrator reflecting, how long had it been now? The old guy was still the same. Or whatever. Without making any reference to the fact that these two are long-time buddies, I'd like you to convey through mannerisms and dialogue, and especially through the way they play with status, that they have known each other for ages and get on well. Try to make them behave in such a way that no reader could doubt it without your ever saying so. That's your challenge for today. So um, if you're stuck for names or a location, don't forget you've got your lists from the early days. You can go and swipe some inspiration from. You know, you could get names. You could get a location from your list of locations. But as I keep saying, feel your way through and let the scene reveal itself to you rather than trying to plan too hard. The key thing is, You don't need to have these characters reference anything that explicitly tells us they've been friends for a while. Just mess about with status games and toying and and, and that lack of I lift myself up, you lift yourself up. I say something self-deprecating, you say something self-deprecating. I say something nice about you, you say something nice about me. See what happens when you break that mutuality and what that implies about them. Okay, you have got, in accordance with the traditions of our people, ten minutes. Ready? Go!
and that was it. Well, that was a challenging exercise for sure. I don't know how it went for you, but I think it's also a very wholesome one. You know, like it's nice writing about friendship. We underplay all the positive stuff when we talk about stories because it seems drama is all about tragedy and betrayals and loss. But I just want to go out to bat for warm, delicious human stuff that makes readers feel glad and fills us with gratitude. You know, I think writing about friendship and the value of friendship and celebrating that in your stories is absolutely valid and a much undervalued part of story writing you know don't neglect it your readers will draw such wonder from it and if your writing style does incline towards the dark it gives us something to lose it creates stakes if you don't have those moments of light then your world doesn't have anything in it to threaten right i shall tarry no longer ace work see you tomorrow the 100 day writing challenge is made possible with the kind support of arts council england